Good evening, guys, and welcome back to the Campbell's Gambles podcast for our third episode. I'm joined by Blake once again. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Jason. Good, good to be back for episode number three. Yes, I can't believe we've made it three weeks, but we're here now, <laughs> and hopefully we can last till the end of the season. Hope everyone's been having a cruisy week so far. As always, we're going to head back to last week. Got to do a little review. Um, how did you find the Kembla Grange results? We had a bit of a uh, outsider win the San Domenico Stakes with in the Congo saluting from Pulele. Pulele, don't know how you pronounce it, but regardless, um, how do you how how do you rate Stainside's return? Uh, I think in general, Kembla, like we were talking about this before uh, before Saturday last week, it was. Um, it wasn't it wasn't a good uh, a good day for racing to to put it to put it bluntly. So I think um, just in general on the day there'll probably be a lot of forgives coming out of the meeting um, and probably a lot of turnarounds in form from that meeting uh, when they when the horses sort of come to tracks like Ranwick um, on drier days and even even wet days at Ranwick are, are probably not like uh, the day that we saw at Kembla there. So I don't I don't think the track played. Um, played too well in terms of fairly. Um, so I think, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of horses coming out of those races that uh, improve. Yeah, well, you didn't like Kembla too much, but you would have had a lot of fun at Caulfield on Saturday. You picked two Wraith as your best bet. She was heavily smashed and led start to finish. I think I had her as my next best of the day following your advice, looking at the form. She looked extremely hard to beat. Last Crusader was a good winner for you also, as well as... Group One Glory with the big boy Behemoth. How was it? How does it feel, Blake? Oh, it's great! It's great. You gotta love him. He just he, he he gives his all every time. He's um he's very resilient horse as well. You know, puts yeah. it in or it puts it in every time. So it's it's good to see. Well, I'm just telling the listeners to tune into our best bets. Stay in. I'll listen to the whole podcast because Blake had his best bet to eighth salutes on Saturday and Arthur Francis. Didn't run on Saturday for me, but he came out at Gosford and saluted on Sunday at about $2.50 or $3 around that price. Anyway, we've got to head straight into things for this Saturday. We're going to Mooney Valley first. The track conditions are, are holding big conjecture this week. Set to be 14 degrees cloudy with a chance of showers. The rail is in the true position. The track is currently a good four, but the big... Um, I guess the big question for this week, what will the track actually be on race day, considering there's up to 35 millimetres of rain forecasted tomorrow? What do you reckon? How do you reckon the track will play on Saturday, Blake? <laughs> uh, honestly, honestly, Jace, I don't even know. I don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> I think I think it's best to just leave me out of this one because it's, it's, it's anyone's guess at this point. I think Mooney Valley is just not... Um, not a good track. I like to be trying to assume what the bias is going to be before uh, before the day, especially with rain predicted, but not here at the moment. Don't get me wrong. I love the Valley. For me, the best track I've ever been to watching horses, but hate betting there. Just hate it because 
even when it rains, it can just be a terrible leader bias. Like when it rains, sometimes it can be even worse than what it is when it's a good three or a good four. So, but then yeah. sometimes the inside just chops out and you've got no idea what's happening mm-hmm. there. So I, I think punters watch and assess the first few races. And yeah, I think there might be a really terrible and savage bias. I don't know which way it's got to be, whether it's to outside gates and outside swoopers or it's towards, you know, leaders. Um, anyway, the first race we will cover is race five, the group two McEwen stakes over the 1,000 metres. Um, I think the major um, talking point in this race is we've got two group one winners in Portland Sky and September run returning. Which one do you favour making a winning statement first up? Well, I'm definitely going to, think, I think everyone could probably agree that Portland Sky sets up better just given he can settle closer in the run and his trials have probably been a little bit better uh, coming into the race. Um, so if I had to lean one way, I'd probably be leaning Portland Sky's way. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the opposite corner, to be honest with you. I, th- I think September run of the two horses is the better horse. Will that matter on race day? I, I kind of think the track will chop out a little bit. So that's why I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards, you know, outside horses. But I think there's enough speed in this race for Portland Sky to either get caught wide if he goes forward or, you know, even gets caught wide if he even tries, tries to take a sit because you've got horses like Wisdom of Water who, who can push forward, the Inferno, Essa La Roca, Sir Callahad and Ashlaw. They've all led in the past. So there's no reason why they can't. I think... I think, I think I think the race really does line up well for September run. I think the one that I wouldn't mind playing here would be Esther LaRocca. I think he uh, she has really good wet track form. Um, she got beaten three and a half by Bo Rossa, two starts back on a heavy 10. Bo Rossa ran a cracking race in the group one last week. And then she came out again, handled the Valley. She's got a great record at the Valley, five starts, two wins, a second and a third. She ran second to Ballistic Lover. That should be good form. Um, obviously at set weight, she's probably not well in against the the two quality horses in this race, but at 650, you could probably do worse. What about you, Blake? What do you have on top? Well, um, well, I was, I was giving us a little bit of a wrap to Portland sky and I have landed with him on top. Um, it's probably not a race. I'm going to be overly keen on betting in, in general. Um, I think there's a lot of question marks in the race. Um, I did have a look at Estela Rocco and I, and I saw that run. Um, behind Bo Rossa. Um, the one thing that I, I sort of questioned about Esther LaRocca was just her ability to finish off the races, even over the 1,000 metres, which you'd expect any horse to, to basically be strong through the line. Yeah. She's just sort of been found out a little bit um, at the end of her races, especially in that last race um, where she, she was definitely not coming up against horses of this, of this calibre. Um, so I think coming into a, a harder race, that was that was the one question mark I had over, her, especially with the speed that um, looks to be on in this race. But yeah, for me, uh, I had to go with Portland Sky. Um, he he and September Run are the clear standouts in terms of quality. I think the Inferno is is an interesting horse from Japan. He ran pretty well uh, first up. He just sort of peaked on the run towards the end there. Um, but he did loom up and and at one point was was basically in the lead. I'm not sure if he was or if he was sort of second or third, um, but he definitely loomed up and then just sort of peaked late. Um, so I think the drop back to the 1,000 metres isn't the worst thing. And, and Damien Lane, the border horse who can go forward in a 1,000-metre race at the Mooney Valley, um, is definitely not, um, not a negative. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of an open race, but I'm leaning, leaning Portland Sky's way. 
All right, guys, there's our thoughts for race five, the Mini McEwen stakes over the 1,000 metres. Got three or four selections there for you guys to put in trifectas in first fours. The second and last race we'll be covering at Mooney Valley this Saturday will be the John Feehan stakes over the mile group two level. It's a very open field, this one, especially market-wise. You've got Superstorm, Elephant, and Sierra Sioux all around that $5 quote. What do you reckon the speed will be in this map? What pushes forward? Uh, well, we saw we saw last time Sovereign Award just absolutely drop the handlebars and <laughs> and it, it didn't work out well for him in the end. But man, oh man, he, uh, she, sorry, just let rip, let absolute rip. So, um, so she'll be she'll be going forward. Streets of Avalon will go forward. Elephant will be uh, there or thereabouts, um, and probably Shot of Irish, same thing. Who went forward last time as well. Beautiful. Uh, in this race, I am Team Sierra Sue. I'm following Blake from last week. If, if Blake liked her in the group one last week, I, I don't think I think he would be a little bit... I don't know if Mooney Valley is exactly the track and first time at Mooney Valley is always a question mark for these horses. But I feel like she's racing in the best form of her life. She, shown, she showed hype as a younger horse. Didn't quite get to that next level, but now, obviously, the penny has dropped. She won the Mildura Cup on a soft seven track. We're probably going to get onto a soft six, soft seven, possibly heavy eight if all that rain does come. And she was a dashing winner in the group two PB Lawrence Stakes last time out. I don't think um, barrier two is too much of a concern. I think she can be ridden a little bit for a little a touch forward, not not too far forward, but she can be, she can find mm. herself midfield here with cover. And with Definitely. that expected speed, this track, uh, this race could really break open. And I feel like she might be the strongest here late. What about you, Blake? Yeah, I tend to agree. I think Sierra Sue sets up pretty well for this race. Um, I just wanted to to touch on the two favourites, uh, equal favourites at the moment on Sportsbet, uh, Superstorm and Elephant. I think uh, Superstorm's run first up was 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 good uh, from the back, but the pattern just is not ideal for for this track. Um, and and Elephant, I I had a few question marks um, just from in my personal opinion with Elephant. Um, obviously undefeated coming from New Zealand and won on his first race here, but that was in a benchmark 84. Um, so this is, this is definitely a step up. And I think although the horse has drawn barrier one, I had a few question marks just with the wet ground uh, that, that will potentially come, uh, come Saturday. The, the low draw could mean the elephant just gets stuck behind, behind a few horses because Often we do see at Mooney Valley horses hug the rail who are in the lead, and if they do go fast, they could be falling right into um, into Elephant's lap there. Um, and then obviously the step up in grade with more weight as well. So Elephant only carried fifty six last time, and that was in the eighty four, and comes up now in grade and, and goes up three kilos as well. So although I do think the horse is is talented, I think that this race is probably one I'm going to have to watch Elephant go around in. Um, just at the the short quote there, he might drift on on race day as well. So um, that's just my analysis of those top two. But I definitely agree with Sierra Sue there. That's probably one I'm leaning towards. And the other one I had a little bit of interest in was Shot of Irish. Um, wasn't wasn't the worst run last time uh, with Talia Hope on board. Um, he he it was a weird run. He he sort of went forward and was in sort of the front three, um, and then coming around the turn just wasn't wasn't really pushed out at all and then dropped back to like sixth got headed by so many horses and then came again in the final sort of 100 meters so i think there's a little bit more there fourth up is um 
should be peaking fitness fitness wise. Um, so I don't I don't think he's out of this race, but yeah, I think Sierra Sue is probably the one I'm looking at. All right, beautiful. There's our Mooney Valley thoughts this weekend. It's gonna be a tough day, so punters beware. Blake and I are with Sierra Sue in race eight, the John Feehan Stakes. We're going to head to the JC Trials right now. They are red hot. We had another winner last week, or this week, actually. Uh, we had Martin Parr on Tuesday at Hawkesbury saluting for us. Uh, it was a dominant all-the-way victory. A bit like our other trialer, actually, way to the stars. So we're two from two. Looking to make it a hat-trick on Saturday. We've got to head to Newcastle, race three, number eight, Speech. Uh, this three-year-old filly is trained by James Cummings and Christian Reef has been booked from an inside gate. Looks extremely hard to beat. I want to allude on the first trial on the 11th of August. I thought it was a really handy piece of work. She started a little bit tidily, but she eased. She just went straight through the gap. She got to the front quite easily and went to the line under her own measure. Last start, she actually, uh, James McDonald was on board and he gave her this, he gave, took a sit on her Um a lot of horses swept around her. There wasn't much space late, but there was clearly something underneath the um, bonnet, I guess. And that's the main thing that I look for in trial horses. I think it's very important to have versatility. You want to see horses that can do it from both the front and the back. Um, good trainers do that with their horses. They test them two trials. One horse, uh, one trial, they go to the front. One trial, they take a sit and see if they can um, fit that versatility tick. Um, and also, I like to back horses that get to provincial races and country races. So I think speech is one of those horses that fits my bill. There's another horse in the race that has been trialing well, um, judging by form, uh, California silence, the number four, but uh, visually, I, I don't, I don't think it was that impressive. I, I thought it got pushed along last start and didn't really find too much. So I think from barrier nine could be in a world of pain, but anyway, race three, Newcastle number eight speech is my trial file this week. And we've got a special trial file from Blake Hong Kong season heads um, to Shartin first race meeting of the 2021-2022 season. And Blake's been watching the trials. So Blake, over to you, mate. Thanks, Jason. Uh, yeah, so so this will probably be a common occurrence in, in episodes going forward. And I just want to point out that uh, markets in Hong Kong don't open until the day of the racing uh, so Sunday morning, the markets will be open. So um, it's it's hard to gauge whether we're going to get value on the horses that I'm that I'm uh, highlighting, but I'm just highlighting them based on on basically raw ability and and standouts that I find. So um, for for Sunday, I'm looking at uh, race two. This horse hasn't actually trialed, but uh, it has trialed actually, but um, it didn't trial all that well. It's number four, quadruple double. Now, Zach Purton's taking the ride um, for the whole yard. Um, and that, that, was, that was a proven combination last season that actually yielded some great results for, for that pair. Um, and, and coming into this race, the, the, horse, the horse raced against some of these competitors at the end of last season and was actually coming on the line. Now, he was, he was ridden by a different jockey, uh, Dylan Moe, who's an apprentice, and... In my opinion, if Dylan Moe had pushed the button a few seconds earlier in the run down the down the Chartin straight, he would have won the race. Um, he he missed by a short head in the end, um, and I think Zach Purton getting on is is probably the the improvement that we need to see. The trial leading up was against uh, the same horses that he raced at the end of last season, and the trial was quiet. 
he finished, I think, eighth or sixth or something like that. Um, but he just wasn't pushed out at all and was just cruising through the line. So that looked pretty comfortable to me. Um, and I think, um, obviously, it's hard to gauge what the prices are going to open like, but I, I think that he will be opening a little bit of value um, given that there are a few other horses in this race who who won uh, towards the end of last season and just and have a bit of hype around them. So quadruple double number four in race two is one of them. And then we're going to race three. Packing victory is number one to be also ridden by Zach Purton. And this horse won on debut at the end of last season. He, he won his trial uh, leading up or ran, he ran second in his trial leading up. Um, and just the pure dominance that he showed first up last season has me believing he'll be very very difficult to beat on Sunday um, I've got no idea what price he'll open but I think anything above $1.75 $1.80 is overs um, especially if you get something like $2.50 which I don't think is out of the realms of possibility um, anything like that is definitely definite overs so I'll be having something on number one packing victory in race three as well all right beautiful Blake the listeners have been blessed with two Hong Kong trial files and yes that race three looks really really good just to the eye it's a very shallow race and you've got a progressive horse like that um anyway we've got to head to Randwick now this is the second track and last track we will be covering this week um on saturday we have the conditions track conditions raining 23 degrees rail out four meters currently the tracks are soft five but again disclaimer 10 to 20 millimeters forecasted on race day so what does that do to the track? I reckon we could easily be on a soft seven, if not maybe heavy eight, if the track comes on race, uh, if the rain comes on race day. Blake, how do you reckon the track will play? Any obvious biases? Um, uh, hard to say, um, especially with, with rain predicted. You don't really know whether it's going to pour, whether it's going to sprinkle, what it's going to do to the track. Um, so just in general, I think looking looking at a general uh, rain affected track you're looking at horses maybe coming a little bit wide towards the towards the second half of the meeting um, but looking generally to horses midfield or closer to the speed as that's generally uh, generally the place to be in races everywhere so that's the way I'm looking at it how about you yeah I think when, when the rain does come sometimes the inside does chop out so I think later in the day you'd probably want to be coming towards the middle of the track so maybe mi middle gates are of advantage anyway we've got to head to the first race that we'll be covering race five the group three concord stakes over the thousand meters uh we're covering this race for one reason and one reason only mr nature strip we see him back in my opinion the fastest horse on the planet um i'm not sure if i don't know if you can how do you feel about that call him the josh Addo car of horse racing don't they? <laughs> 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 that's what Phil Gould thinks. Um, that's it. <laughs> Phil Gould's actually a owner of Tycooner, so hopefully he listens to our podcast. He loves his horse racing. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. Anyway, Nature Strip, Blake. Previous winners in this race include Geetra last year in Red Cell the year before. And what happened there? Nature Strip got beaten as a favorite both times. Got to come to you. $1.50, fair or ridiculous? Uh... Definitely not fair. Well, I mean, you could argue that it is fair given given what the horse has done and um, especially in his latest trial. But he he's he's just he's got a he's got a habit of 
running well when he's not expected to and running really poorly when he is expected to run well. So um, sounds he's, like he's one of those horses you don't really know what you're going to get. Oh, well, Mr. Blake sounds a bit, um, I guess, pocket hurt. A few multis have gone down of a dollar. I personally think, I, I think the price is ultra fair. I think this is by far the weakest Concord stakes that Nature Strip has ever contested in like, you're looking through this race, what do you actually, like, what can you make a case for? Like, realistically, like, in my opinion, nothing. I think $1.50 is fair. I think I think he wins. I think he actually does win first up this time. I think $1.50 is pretty fair. So that, that's my opinion on the race. What about you, Blake? Yeah. I, yeah, like I said, I, you can, yeah, you can definitely make that argument and say that the price is fair. But then you're saying, well, you're taking $1.50 about a horse at all. Um, even if you do, even if you do back at a dollar fifty, you're not really making that much off it if it does win. So, um, so for me, for me personally, it's just a race that I don't really want to go near. Um, just given given the fact that, like you said, Nature Strip is that good, um, but he is so short. Um, I just tend to I just tend to stay away from races like this because sometimes they can lead you into traps that um, don't end well. But yeah, you can't you can't knock Nature Strip. You can't knock him, but um, but yeah, I just won't be going near the the dollar fifty because it is a dollar fifty, and that's well, just me. Don't you worry, sir. If you can't make enough money on a dollar fifty chance, I'll show you how to. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, nature strip for me. You know, if if it was a dollar eighty, dollar ninety, it'd be probably the bloody best bet of the year. Like realistically, in my opinion, I think the thing that always gets forget uh, forgotten about with nature strip, he is a mudlark. He loves the wet tracks. It's not spoken about enough, in my opinion. He's had six starts with four wins on the soft tracks, including a group one win last year in the TJ by two lamps, a group two win by three lamps, as well as two from two on the heavy track. He's won group one Galaxy on the heavy track. He's won a group one TJ on the heavy track. If this rain comes, mate, Wild Ruler is not a wet tracker. Trekking is not a wet tracker. And then where else do you go? Standout's not going to be beating Nature Strip. And on the truth, it's not going to be beating Nature Strip. Like maybe add along for the other wet tracker in this race, but come on now. Like, anyway. Regardless, we've got to move on. We don't need to spend too much time on that race. I think I think you know where my mind's at. So we're going to head to race six. The three-year-old fillies are going to line up in the group two furious stakes over the 1,200 metres. It's an open field with Naj Mari, four moves ahead, and she's all class heading the betting. Do you reckon there might be a roughie in this field that you could steer the punters into, or do you reckon it's uh, pretty much with the top few in betting? Uh, in, I, I was... I was leaning towards towards the horse at the top of this market. Um, that's just me, the way that I looked at it. I think um, there are a lot of horses down the page who haven't shown what the horse at the top have. Um, I am a massive, and you know this, I'm a massive fan of Najmati. Um, from the first day that I saw her, mm-hmm. fell in love and uh, been, a, been a follower ever since. Her first up run at Caulfield was great. Um, so... I can't jump off. Can't jump off now. But um, what about you? What are you thinking? Well, it sounds like you'll be singing a bit of "Love Story" by Taylor Swift come uh, 2:35 on <laughs> on Saturday <laughs> with Najmati. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you were holding hands that day at um, running to the bookmakers when we saw Najmati in the flesh. She's a lovely, <laughs> lovely, lovely type. Um, and I think we both had goosebumps when she came down the outside at Kensington and just went babushka. Um, I think the best filly in this race is she's all class. I think she's the best three-year-old filly going around. I feel like this is a really, really, really tricky race. 
Um, I think Dion Dreddy, the little sister to Libertini, had a lot of hype around her. I thought the win at Hawkesbury was really good on debut. And there's been a few subsequent winners out of the race or subsequent horses that have run well since. I don't know if there has actually been a winner. Um, I thought Enterprise Pom, the Queenslander, has tried well. Jamea, Tommy Berry has huge wraps on Jamea. We've, we've had him on a few Punters Wardrobe podcasts and all he's doing, all he does is talk about Jamea. Swift Witness won first up. Like, in my opinion, this is a really tricky race. If I was betting, if I had a gun to my head, I'd be leaning she's all class just because I think, you know, I think she's the class runner in the race. But, you know, I, I do love Ned Najmati too. She's unseen on the heavy track, so that uh, on a wet track. So that might be the, the downside with her because she's got such a sharp sprint. And maybe she might not let down as well. But, you know, I, I'd rather just watch this race and enjoy it. What about you, Blake? Uh, yeah, I, I can definitely can definitely agree with uh, with most of those points that you made. I think she's all class. We spoke about she's all class um, in that in that race where four moves ahead was coming up against her. Um, I can't I can't remember what race it was. What um, it was it was two weeks ago, and she's all class was scratched uh, yeah. from that race. But we we were both agreeing that she's all class was was a deserving favorite in that race and um, would probably turn the tables on four moves ahead. Um, and I think, I think the case that we made then still stands for this race, um, especially with the barrier draw that four moves ahead has. Um, that's definitely not going to help. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think she's all class is, is the class, <laughs> pardon the pun, but uh, yeah, I, I like Najmati. So I, I'll probably probably just the the love I have have for Najmati will be pulling a bit of money out of my pocket, but um, but I'm I'm yeah I've, I'm finding it hard to single anything out if that makes sense. Um, she's all class definitely has um, plenty of cases. You can make case for Najmati. You can make a case for Swift Witness, who who I actually tipped for that race um, and won there. So that and yeah, like you said, Dan, Dan Andretti has has been trialing up a storm after that after that uh, beautiful first up uh, debut win. Jamea, we, we all know, um, was was a little bit unlucky and there was a lot of interference there in that last run. So um, definite excuses there. Um, yeah, I think it's a tough race. I agree with you, but probably Najmati for me. All right, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. We've got to head on to the next race on the program. It's a group two tramway stakes over the 1,400 metres. We have a group one Doombin Cup winner in this field, that one by seven lamps. That is our current Cox Plate favourite in Zaki. He's back to the races. Very excited to see him back. Will he sprint fresh at 1,400 metres, Blake? What do you think? He may well do. Um, whether I want to take him at $2 to find out is 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 probably another story yeah um that's that's my opinion and I, uh, i'm guessing you're in the same camp there jace yeah i'll just quickly get this race over and done with really this is a race i don't really want to bet in i just want to you know sit back and enjoy it based on the two reasons i think personally and i've, I've heard annabelle nation say in the press before she believes zaki is a a miler to two thousand meter horse i don't think She's in the belief that he can extend over that trip. Um, even though he was so dominant in the Doom and Cup, maybe she's changed her mind since then. I feel like fresh at 1,400 metres, I don't think he's too badly placed, to be honest with you. I think the major concern I have is 
He's only had one trial and he's got bigger targets like a Cox play. So mm-hmm. not sure how forward he would be. And I wouldn't say he's all right on a soft track. Like if he gets into a heavy region, he's untried. So we, we don't know with that. Soft, soft five, soft six, you know, maybe soft seven. But once if he gets heavy eight, you know, heavy tracks are made for heavy track horses. So it's a completely different thing. Will I be touching $2? No. Do I think $2 is fair? Yes. Just because of the of the nature of the race. I don't think it's a really strong race. I think All Saints Eve, if the rain does come, I think she's one at a bit of a price that I could get entertained in. But I've missed the price. So there's no point. She's 26s into bloody nines now. So I'm sorry, All Saints Eve. I do have a bit of a fascination with you, but I will not be on you this time. So maybe that helps her because my money would be carrying a bit too much weight for her. Anyway, Blake, who have you landed on this race? Um, the, the only one I can really make any sort of a case for for myself personally when I went through this race was Dreamforce. Um, that might come as a shock to some people, but I think the nine-year-old, if he gets any chance of winning a race this prep, it's probably this race. Um, his Some of his best wins and best stats come second up, and I think first up... Um, he just he just didn't set up as well uh, to win that race. He had barrier eleven. He was paying nineteen dollars in in uh, in a very different setup race to this, where he's got barrier three and he can basically lead as he likes. Um, with with the with the weather predictions, you don't really know how the track's going to play, but uh, you can pretty confidently say that he'll get his chance uh, from the front whether there is a leader's bias, backmarker's bias, whatever it is. So um, who knows? I might be having something on him depending how the tracks are looking on the day. But um, but that's that was really the only one I could make a, some sort of a case for. Uh, honestly, it is, it is a very, very tough race, um, which is like I've been saying in the last few weeks, it is kind of typical of the, the start of the, the spring season, racing season, where, um, where you have a lot of these unknowns and horses – with bigger targets in mind, the same thing happened with very elegant first up. We were talking about that a lot. Um, so Zaki is kind of a similar setup here, I think. Alrighty, then we've got to head to the feature race on the day, race eight, the group two Chelmsford stakes over the 1600 meters. Um, we're going to self-make this race a group one this week for the sake of it, because you know this podcast is based around group one. Um, racing and punting. So this is our group one this race. And there's, there's a few group one winners in this race. So rightly so at the top of the market, we have Cascadian as a $3.70 elect on the TAB. Does Cascadian deserve to be favorite, Blake? Yeah, I think so. I, I think I think Cascadian does deserve to be favorite. But um, like we were talking about before, um, I'm not sure about the, the, the gate and if I want to take a horse that sets up to go back in a massive field from barrier three at $3.70, $3.50, not for me personally. But, yeah, I do think he does deserve to be favourite. What about you? Yeah, I think he deserves to be favourite. I'm happy to have him on top here. I think he is the best miler in this race, and I feel like he might be one of the better wet trackers in this race too. I thought his return run was very good. Um, he was actually really hard in the market that day, which I do like. He's a big, gross horse, so that run would have definitely brought him on. I've seen him in the, I've seen him in the flesh a few times. He's just, yeah, he carries a lot of condition. Let's just say that. Um, yeah, he's won. He's won the Group One Doncaster, Doncaster, which is probably the best handicap sixteen hundred meter race in Australia, in my opinion. 
He has to do it at weight for age level here, but you know, he's won that on a soft six track. There's no reason he's proven at weight for age level. He came third in the all age last year. He was a touch unlucky and obviously fifth in the wing stake. So he's proven himself in group one rate for age races. Yes, the barrier is a concern, but at the same time, I feel like Hugh Bowman can use him up a little bit early here now that he's second up and get to a spot around midfield cover. If he gets any luck, he'll be hard to beat. I think she's ideal is the other one here. I'm just basically taking the two um, best runs, in my opinion, from the lead up race. I'm a bit worried if she's ideal because she is a small horse that doesn't carry a lot of condition and she can get ready fresh for a first up run. So it doesn't surprise me that she ran well. It surprises me how range, uh, how well she did run. But um, but yeah, I wasn't really too surprised to see her run very well. So I think from Barrier 1, she's also another horse that can sit a bit forward in running. She hasn't done it in her recent preparations because I think the reason for that is because they were trying to make her stay the longer trip because they were targeting that Sydney Cup with a, a long way out. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised from Barrier 1 if she also pushes up and sits about maybe midfield might be a bit asking too much for her, but I think, I think they're the two and Montefilia is probably the one. I don't think it sets up well for her, but I feel like she's over the odds in my opinion. What about you, Blake? Um, yeah. Uh, for me personally, I couldn't, I couldn't take Cascadian at, um, at the short odds, just given the way that the, the map looks. Um, I was looking at think it over. Um, I can definitely make a case for think it over. And he's one that I, uh, we'll definitely be looking to have a bet on come Saturday. I think, like we were saying, if the track does sort of chop out and horses do prefer to be off the rail and coming down the outside a little bit, um, it's not the worst to be drawn barrier 10, especially considering how little pace there is drawn under Think It Over. And uh, we mentioned this before, There, there's barely any horses that could really kick up underneath Think It Over who's in barrier 10. Um, so if Nash does decide to to press on a little bit, he can definitely find a spot um, very, very handy in the field. And given the way he ran, um, only going down by 0.6 uh, of a length, I think he's definitely in with a great chance here. And then I was looking as well at, at Shared Ambition, who tr has, has been trialling really well Um nearly ran down Arameo in the, the latest trial, and that was on heavy ground. Um, gate nine, same thing. He'll just be um, he'll just be out of trouble coming down coming down the outside um, late in the race. Um, I think the I think that given given the number of trials shared ambitions had, he'll probably be all right for this coming uh, coming into this first up. And like you said with Montefilia, I think that that fifteen dollar price is is just overs uh just plain and simple it's overs um the trials have been good enough for me and exactly the same case um as i made for think it over and shared ambition just going to be out of trouble and and wide um, which i don't think will be the worst spot to be by by race eight on saturday so they're the three that i'm looking to play on saturday beautiful all right so as i said earlier this will be our makeup group one race of the week <laughs> And for that, we have our $100 viewers competition back again. Unfortunately, um, fan favorite here, Campbell's Gambles, um, I guess, group, I'd say. Um, Johnny Marker, he went down with the ship last week of Tefane. It was, it was very sad to watch, but it was a good run from Tefane. She came third, but no chocolates there for Johnny. Um, and unfortunately, 
there's still no viewer that has returned profit. Um, so yes, we, we need the viewers to pick up their game. Anyway, Jason, I'm going to leave it with you. Thank you, Jason. We hear the spin the wheel. Can't wait for this one. We're gonna spin it right now. Long one. Our winner for this week is Harry Whiteman. Harry Whiteman will be having $100 in the Group 2 Chelmsford Stakes. Back to you, Jason. What did he have his $100 on? All right. Thank you, Jason. Harry Whiteman will be having $100 on Think It Over. Um, you know, Blake's pretty happy with that by, by the sounds of it. So I think Harry might be in with a chance of winning. Anyway, we've got to head to our own Group 1 competition, the JC versus Blake Group 1 $100 competition. Doesn't really have much of a name to it. But anyway, um, our current standings, um, myself, I am minus $200, and Blake with Behemoth winning and Sierra Sue not racing. He's in the green. He's uh, plus go. $8. Let's go. He's plus $8. <laughs> so um, – my initiative for this week, I'm going to what I've named the Nabob. I'm going to borrow from the Bob, um, just to clarify for people, that is the National Australian Bank of Blake. Um, and, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm going to have $80 on Cascadian to win. And I'm going to have a little saver on She's Ideal, just in case she has come back a much, much, much better horse's preparation. What about you, Blake? Where are you putting your $100? Uh, I'm I'm spreading it across those three that I was talking about. So I'm going to have 30 to win on Think It Over, who I think is a great chance can go forward. Uh, $20 each way on Shared Ambition, uh, who's been trialling very well. And then $15 each way on Montefilia, who's definite overs for me. Beautiful, Blake. That's, uh, I guess that's come accustomed to this podcast now. You know, like get on Richer has his system one, two, and Blake has his bloody, you know, pick three horses and... <laughs> Throw a few darts around until one. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, eh? Yeah, I think I'm starting to learn from that trend. This <laughs> but anyway, regardless, thank you everyone for listening. We're getting to our best bets around the country now. Blake, do you have anything that stands out this week that you want to tell the viewers about? Um, well, just to uh, double down on what I was what I was uh, looking looking to in Hong Kong, I've got race two, number four, quadruple double, but. My likely best bet, um, as long as he opens anywhere near even odds or even over even odds, is going to be race three at Shartin on Sunday, number one packing victory. Beautiful. All right. You can follow those on the Hong Kong Hero. The Hong Kong Hero will be posted on Sunday on the Campbell's Gambles social medias on Facebook and Instagram. So follow Blake. He has, I think there's 10 races at Hong Kong on Saturday. So uh, Sunday, sorry. So it's going to be very exciting. Um, I'm just going to stick with my trial file horse as my best bet this week. I think a few of the fields this week, I think it's going to be a tough week in my opinion. I feel like when, when there's rain and there's unknown biases and there's open group one rate, uh, not even group one racing, but there's group two racing, group three racing, listed racing. There's just, mm -hmm. I've looked at some of the fields. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, you could make a case for like four or five horses. So we've got to go to the provincials race three, number eight speech. As I've said earlier, she's trialed really well heading into this race and i think she can sit just behind the speed and prove too hard to beat all right guys that's another week of the campbell's gambles podcast hopefully people have actually stayed this long not sure if they have but thank you if you have um <laughs> do you have anything to finish off with blake no just uh just very keen to see some some more good racing on the weekend um just like i always say um 
don't don't go too heavy before you see what the what the tracks are doing um keep keep in the back of your mind the the horses that are mentioned and and what you're looking at but um definitely play it safe in uh, in the early part of the day to see what the tracks are doing especially mooney valley because you just never know but uh yeah very excited for the weekend Beautiful bloke. I can't wait for the hero to return on Sunday. Anyway, all right, listeners, have a great weekend and best of luck on the punt. Adios. All the best. Let's go.